It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today's guest, Robert Kerbeck, was a struggling actor who found a job listing for a position that consisted of cold-calling businesses. Needing the cash, he took the job. Soon after, he found himself deep in corporate espionage. In his new book, Ruse, Robert bears his wild business secrets. Welcome, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for that great introduction. It almost makes me want to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to admit... You were a guest on the show a few years ago to talk about your book, Malibu Burning, and we got to know each other a little bit then. So when I received information about your new book, as you can imagine, I was shocked and intrigued. So let's talk a little bit about that time in your life. How did all of this begin? Well, as you said there in the opening, uh, I, I, I grew up on the East Coast um, in Philadelphia, and my family is fairly well-known automobile dealers. Uh, my great-grandfather sold horse carriages before cars were invented and then uh, switched to selling cars. And so that has just been part of the, the, the Kerbeck family DNA. And I was expected to you know, work at the dealership, take over the dealership, and I did work there briefly after college, and it just wasn't for me. Um, and I kind of struggled with some of the dishonesty around car sales. I really wanted to be an actor, and so I went to New York to make it, and of course I needed a survival job, and who stumbles into a job as a corporate spy, but that's what I did. Well, you know, it's interesting. I really didn't even know jobs like this existed. I mean, call me naive. So what were your job responsibilities? So what the, the whole goal was is corporations uh, want to know anything and everything they can about their competition. Right. So we all know that the Russians spy on the Chinese and the Chinese spy on us. But most people either have no idea or don't really have much of an idea how much spying goes on every day in corporate America. And so the the woman who hired me um, had this small firm and our job was on behalf of her clients who were major, major corporations, the largest corporations in America. Um, and our job was to find out whatever they wanted. Um, and remember, when I started doing this um, back in the day, you know, we didn't have things like LinkedIn. As a matter of fact, one time someone said to me uh, that I was LinkedIn before LinkedIn was invented, which was true. So we would find out all of this information about how companies were structured, what their organization looked like, who the top producers were, because a lot of times what our clients wanted to do is they wanted to uh, poach people, steal people from their competitors. And of course, everyone in a job interview says, oh, I'm the best one at this firm. I'm the top one on the sales desk. I'm the top one on the trading desk. But what our data and what our information that we stole, uh, you know, enabled us to determine was exactly who was where on that ranking, who was number one, who was number two. And as you can imagine, if you 
were a competitor and you were struggling and you could poach the number two salesperson or the number two trader or the top whatever at your you know main rival, what a what a amazing thing that was for you. And so that information was very, very valuable. Um, I tell the story that at one point there was a team of traders at Morgan Stanley that made their firm one billion dollars on one trade. And this was right before the crash of 2008. And these gentlemen were profiled in the movie, The Big Short, the book in the movie, The Big Short by Michael Lewis. And we were tasked, I was tasked with determining the names of the eight people on this, on this team that did this trade. And someone said to me, well, what was that worth to your client that was going to potentially steal one of these people? And I, and I told them some significant portion of one billion dollars. Right, Because if you could get somebody that was on this team that pulled off this trade, theoretically, you could then replicate that at your firm. And now you could have trades that were making your firm that kind of money. And so that's the type of money that is at play with this corporate spying in America on a daily basis. So, Robert, how do you go about getting that type of information? Is it just research? Do you go undercover? Like, how do you obtain what it is that your employer wants? You lie, and then you lie some more, and you keep lying until your lie sounds so good that they are as believable as the truth, and oftentimes they're even more believable than the truth. And that involves a whole series of things. One is a lot of research, you know, and then once you've kind of done a lot of preliminary research, you understand as much as you possibly can about the company, about what's going on at the company, about what's going on in the world that day that you might be able to utilize to your advantage. And then we were trained to call these firms, often posing as executives that worked in the firm. Um, and perhaps we were off site, we were jammed up, we needed assistance, and we would find someone that was willing to um, tell us what we needed to know. And oftentimes tell us even more than what we initially were going after um, I, I, I can't tell you how many times somebody, um, you know, bought into the, the spying that we were doing and just started telling me more and more and more and more. Um, and it was really amazing because these are individuals that are trained not to release this information. And yet we got so good. I got so good at this corporate spying that I could basically get anyone to tell me anything once they were under my spell. So you really honed your acting skills. Ha, yes. Uh, you know, and we, you know, we utilize accents, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, remember, these are international conglomerates, and they have offices all over the world. So, you know, I could be calling from the Frankfurt office, and I could have a German accent. And, and, and as crazy as it seems, uh, people would be even more willing to help somebody who was with had an accent and was from a different office in a different location, you know, whatever you need, how can we help? And, and the whole idea that is, uh, I think, part of being in corporate America is that you want to be a good corporate teammate, right? You want to help out the others on your team. Um, and instead of it being, you know, your football team, or your baseball team, it's your, it's your, the team you work for, the corporation you work for, right? Um, and there's something about being a good corporate teammate that we were able to utilize to get people to release information, private information that they should definitely not have been releasing. So you're living in two worlds at that time. On one hand, you were acting and mingling with actors like Paul Newman and George Clooney. And then on the other hand, you're doing this secret work. How were you able to reconcile those two worlds in your mind? 
That's a great question. You know, when I started out doing the job, it was just temporary. It was supposed to be temporary. Uh, and of course, when I started the job, I didn't realize how uh, deep I was going to go into this world of corporate espionage. It just seemed I was going to do it for three months. I was going to do it for a year. I was going to do it for a year and a half. I had no idea that it was going to become my career because at the time I was working a lot professionally as an actor. I had a career as an actor. And one of the ways I rationalized it, and, and again, this is a rationalization, not a justification, is that um, I didn't use any of my rusing techniques, my spying techniques. I didn't use them in my personal life. I, I really drew a hard line that I wasn't going to be, you know, lying to uh, friends or family or, or, or whatever. I, I really said, you know, when I'm when the day job is done, that's the end of the rusing, right? Um, and I also again, rationalized, justified, that most of the information I was getting was designed to help people get better jobs. And that's how I just kind of was able to sleep at night, is that I was saying, well, you know what, this information that I'm getting, oftentimes the, the end users, the corporations that are hiring us to steal it, they're then calling these people that are on my list to offer them better jobs. And isn't that what America is about? And isn't that what capitalism is about? And that's kind of how I was able to to rationalize uh, the, the spying that I was doing. Well, you know, and listening to you, Robert, I, I know that anyone who chooses to be an actor, that's a unique type of person because you have this creative side. There, there's this desire to create these characters and make them bigger than life. And so did you ever think that maybe you did this because it was really the greatest acting challenge that you could encounter? I mean, maybe it brought you to life? <laughs> well, for sure, um, the acting... Um, enabled us to do the job. The woman that started this firm, she only hired actors. Um, and interestingly enough, at first she only hired women to do the job. She didn't think that men could do the job because so many of the gatekeepers of corporate America at that time were women, right? The, back in the day, uh, most of the assistants were female. Most of the receptionists were female. And when she hired me and one other guy, um, what we learned uh, was that the um, surprise, surprise, the gatekeepers were much smarter uh, and much more aggressive at preventing the spying that we were doing. And we found that the, the executives, who, again, at the time were, were predominantly male, they were much more likely to tell us anything we wanted to know. It, you know in the, in the, the parlance of the con, they were, they were far easier marks the men than the women. <laughs> and so it turned out that um, her hiring men was, was a great decision on her part because we ended up really, really taking the corporate espionage to a whole nother level, um, which of course then began to get us, you know, deeper and deeper into the, the, the crosshairs of the authorities. Is any of this work illegal? Are there any aspects where people would get arrested for doing it? Well, uh, that was something I worried about my entire life. And, and I'm able to write the book now because the statute of, uh, the statute of limitations for whatever crimes uh, potentially I committed um, has passed, which is why I wrote the book now. Um, and at the time, uh, we were always worried about that. Um, at one point, we did um, speak with an attorney uh, or the woman who hired us uh, spoke with an attorney. And, and no surprise, the attorney said, uh, you know, you are in the dark gray zone. Um, so I would call our activities quasi-illegal. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we were pretending to be people we were not. And we were obtaining information we had no right to obtain. So I'm pretty sure that if some legal entity wanted to come after us, they certainly would have been able to um, 
we, we would have gotten in trouble. And we really tried to, uh, I always, uh, one of the guys that I did this job with for many years, a character in the book, Pax, he described us as brain surgeons. And our job was to go in and get what we needed, only what we needed, extract it in as, you know, a ginger and quiet a fashion as possible so that we didn't cause any other damage, harm, uh, you know, alert anyone, um, you know, set off the alarm bells and we would get in, get the information and get out. And we really tried to do that. And when we, when we were trying to get information that, uh, people started to get it a little hot and bothered about, we would really um, back off um, because we realized uh, we, that was how we would really get in trouble is that you would get a firm so upset at the information that was being, um, you know, obtained that they were, you know, uh, furious about um, that, that would be something that would inspire a firm to come after us. And we, we really tried hard to not have that happen, but though we did have some close calls and I, and I detail those in the book. So why did you decide to reveal this part of your life? What do you hope to accomplish with this book? That's a great question. I mean, I think that years ago, I read an early chapter, um, and it wasn't even a book. It wasn't even a book idea. I read an early uh, chapter from this project. It wasn't even a project. But whatever it was, I read it at a writer's conference, and people flipped out about it. And they flipped out about this world of corporate spying. Um, no one knew about it. No one knew that that all these corporations that are, uh, you know, uh, on TV every day and they're talking about how wonderful they are and they're giving money to, to charities and their executives are on the boards of, uh, of philanthropic institutions. And yet these same individuals are hiring spies every day to steal information from their competitors. And so there's something about that kind of um, duplicity um, that I thought people were, and I, of course, again, at that writer's conference, people were fascinated and they wanted to learn more about this kind of duplicitous world. And um, so that just made me say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to tell this story. And, and I think it's important um, because we, you know, we, we've been living in a world, there's a lot of duplicity and what is the truth? Um, and how do we determine what the truth is? Right. And, you know, we've got people lying to our faces and yet we we how do we determine that they're lying or faces? You know, it's just really interesting. And I just thought this whole idea of corporate America, two of the individuals that I presented my stolen information directly to are today one step from being the CEOs of their respective companies, which are two of the largest financial institutions in the world. Do you think change can come from this awareness? Well, I think that change could come from the awareness. And I think, you know, one thing that these firms would need to do is they would need to, and it would be quite simple, is they would basically say, hey, any firm we use, any uh, uh, corporation, company we use that we're that, that is going to supply us with any information cannot use any illegal, quasi-illegal et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, methods to get that information. And so if you are going to be a vendor for this major firm or that major firm, you're going to have to sign this thing so that the corporation has at least made some attempt to let people know that they're, they're not going to, going to be accepting information that was stolen from their competitors. Um, and right now what these corporations have if they have the proverbial plausible deniability, they can say, oh, my goodness gracious, we had no idea 
that this individual or that this firm was doing this to get this information. We never would have hired them. We never would have accepted that information. And of course, I know that's a lie because I presented my information for, for years and years to individuals at this, these firms who knew exactly what I was doing to get the information. So what has the reaction to this book and your story been from your friends in Hollywood? Well, uh, we are um, pretty far down the road for a Ruse television series. And, you know, in general, we've had these amazing shows about kind of the corporate world. You know, so we have a show like Succession. We have a show like Billions. And I'm hoping that Ruse is going to follow in the footsteps of shows like that. And Robert, where can our listeners go to learn more about Ruse or you and your work? Uh, My website is the best place, uh, robertkerbeck.com. Um, there are obviously links to purchase the book wherever you like to purchase your books from. And there also uh, are links to, as you mentioned earlier, my first book, Malibu Burning, um, about the uh, worst wildfire in Los Angeles history. Thank you for joining and us. I hope you found the show the informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge and, is and power. An Take what you've learned, apply it, and, and live your again, best life now. Remember that Robert, the information thank you so much provided for coming back is the, the show. opinion of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, CYACYL.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.